Good afternoon, everyone. I want to thank the media that have joined the call for your time today. Uh, we've just concluded a positive set of meetings with our CEO group, our presidents and chancellors, who are the governing board of the PAC-12 conference, and wanted to take this opportunity to update you on a few important items. Uh, we take these meetings as our end-of-year meetings where we provide regular updates, we review various strategic issues, uh, we review recommendations from the PAC-12 Council, we review and approve budgets for the upcoming year, and uh, we reflect on the year that was behind us. Uh, as part of that, we noted today that this will be the 14th year in a row where the Pac-12 will win the most NCAA championships of any other conference. We are at 10 uh, so far, twice uh, the nearest conference. Um, football and basketball have certainly been below par, but a lot of reasons uh, for optimism as we go into the current uh, season. Um, uh, Chancellor DiStefano will uh, say some more words about this in a moment, but I just want to say how pleased we are to have made a major step in what we announced earlier today regarding student-athlete health and wellness, where the Pac-12 has been a leader. The other topic Chancellor DiStefano will comment on is an update on the exploration of potential strategic media partners, which took much of our time while we were together here at our meeting. Um, I'm going to start by uh, giving a little more context around some of the decisions that we made and what we announced today. Let me start with the intra-conference transfer rule. Our CEO group voted to eliminate the loss of a season penalty for all student-athletes who transfer within the conference. This rule change removes one of the last remaining penalties associated with transferring between conference schools, and it's designed to provide student-athletes with a similar experience to any other students who decides to transfer. Another significant announcement we made earlier today is regarding men's basketball scheduling standards. Um, on the heels of our decision a couple of weeks ago to move to a 20-game conference men's basketball schedule starting in the 2020-21 season, CEO Group voted to introduce non-conference scheduling standards to enhance the Pac-12 men's basketball non-conference schedules. The approved non-conference scheduling standards include the following elements. Schools must have a non-conference five-year trailing average of opponents' net ranking of 175 or less. Our schools may not participate in any road by games. And no regular season games may be played against non-Division I opponents. And no road games versus a non-conference opponent with a five-year trailing average of a 200 net. These changes, both the move to the 20-game conference schedule and our scheduling standards today represent an important step forward as part of our basketball strategic plan. We've been working closely with our coaches, our athletics directors, our basketball experts um, on designing a strategic plan to enhance our basketball going forward. The number of teams and the performance in the NCAA tournament and the announcement today is an important milestone uh, on that journey. Um, we also uh, just released, uh, some of you may be getting it while you're on the call, our financial results uh, for the 2017-18 year as part of our requ required 990 filing. For those of you that see it, you'll see it follows uh, the normal required reporting uh, and, a, and a summary in there. But you'll also notice uh, some new aspects uh, to what we've reported 
This year, we put a premium on increased clarity and transparency in our reporting. Notably, we've wanted to break out uh, the financial results for the PAC-12 conference and the PAC-12 networks. So it was more clear and easy for people to compare conference to conference uh, and understand the separate uh, financial performance of the PAC-12 networks. There's also more detail in terms of how we actually distribute revenue to our schools um, and where there are differences between the required 990 filing and what we actually distribute, um, and a focus on uh, some of our expenses um, and, again, breaking out uh, by conference and separating it from networks will be more easy for people to compare uh, expense between conferences. Um, at a high level, uh, we have continued uh, positive overall growth trajectory in terms of revenues and distributions over the past years. And this, it should be said, is without factoring in the significant equity value that our members have uh, by being owners of the PAC-12 networks. This is not uh, reflected in the financials, but something we're very excited about, especially as we're out there contemplating and understanding uh, the value of our media rights uh, going forward, which is an ongoing uh, project that Chancellor DiStefano will talk about next, amongst other things. Chancellor DiStefano. Thank you, Larry, and thanks to everyone on the call for joining us. I appreciate this opportunity to speak with you after a great meeting earlier today with our chancellors, presidents, and PAC-12 executive team. And I want to go over two items that we discussed at the board meeting. First, I'm pleased to announce that the CEO group unanimously approved continued funding for the Student Athlete Health and Wellbeing Initiative. And this comes following support from the PAC-12 Council and PAC-12 Athletics Directors. The conference will extend the annual $3.6 million of funding for a period of five more years with a review of the program after three years. Additionally, the CEO group voted to significantly increase to $1.1 million the portion of annual funding to on-campus mental health services. And this is a critical need at all of our campuses, and we believe this is the right thing to do to support our student athletes. The annual investment of 1.1 million will be provided through the conference's Student Athlete Health and Wellbeing Initiative directly to the conference's 12 member schools. And this will go toward additional campus resources to directly support student-athletes in need. The second item is an update on our exploration of a private equity sale of our media rights. As you know, for the past few months, the RAIN Group has explored interest in the market, and there has been significant interest from some of the most respected companies investing in this space. While we can't publicly say the company's names, we can say it's a diversity of organizations ranging from traditional players to technology companies. While we had a robust discussion today of the pros and cons of such a deal, we did not make any final decisions. We talked about a number of important matters requiring further due diligence, which we will conduct as a next step in this exploration process. We will let you know when we make a decision.
This is a collaborative process, and we are feeling very positive about the direction and the future of the PAC-12. With that, uh, we would be happy to take your questions, and I'll now turn it back over to Dave. All right, thank you. Uh, this time we'll take questions. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Dennis Dodd. Your line is open. Larry, I see the, the total revenues is $497 million and the, the distributions at $354. Um, that's a distribution rate to me of 74%. Uh, while that is an increase, I think, in previous years, it, it, it does lag behind all four Power Five conferences. If all that's accurate, why is that? Yes, well, um, thank you, Dennis. Um, what I'd encourage you to look at is the breakout that we've done of the conference um, uh, revenues and expenses compared to the networks. I know this has been a regular question that you and others have asked. And one of the reasons we've gone with more transparency and we've gone beyond what's required in terms of the 990 file was really just to be able to answer this specific question. I think if you look at just the conference financial performance, if you look at um, our revenues, our expenses, and what would be distributed just from the conference, I think what you'll find is we compare very favorably to other conferences in terms of the percentage of revenue that we're distributing. The Pac-12 Network's revenues, expenses, there are no other conferences that um, own and operate their own network. So um, there's really nothing to compare what's distributed from a network in the Pac-12 compared to what's distributed in a network from any other conferences because they're owned by other companies. So um, I know you're, you're uh, uh, looking at the um, consolidated number. I'd encourage you to compare conference to conference. And now because we've broken it out for the first time ever, you can do so and you'll see our ratio is very much in line with our peers. Okay, but you, but you guys used those numbers in the first sentence of the release. Does it not at least just highlight, I guess, what, what is not news, you know, the underperformance of the network as it goes on? Yeah, because there's no other conference that owns and controls its network, it's, it's very hard to compare. But, yeah, we'll, um, we'll follow up and share with you our percentage in terms of what we distribute as a percentage of conference revenue so that you can compare it to uh, the other conferences. Okay. Your next question comes from the line of James Kerpea of Dorig Union. Your line is open. James, your line's open. All right. Well, your next question comes from the line of Dan Weber of uscfootball.com. Your line is open. Yeah, and, and, and talking about the uh, the media sale, uh, 
how is that being structured? For example, you know, conferences do, you know, at times change, uh, you know, memberships and people come and go. If that, you know, uh, media sale takes place and you sell a percentage, uh, are those rights sold in per- perpetuity or is there a, you know, a time frame, uh, you know, for that, for that kind of a deal or is that, you know, something that's still being worked on in terms of, you know, how that would work? But if a school, you know, was in the Pac-12 now and wouldn't be in the Pac-12 in 10 years, would their media rights still be, in, you know, in the holding company in the Pac-12? Thanks, Dan. This is Larry Scott. I'll, I'll answer the question. Uh, that, that's one of the topics that's still being reviewed. We've got experience um, uh, dealing with those issues when we entered into a 12-year agreement with ESPN and Fox. Other conferences have entered into even longer agreements with entities, so uh, it's something that um, um, I think is commonly uh, dealt with uh, as a provision and um, uh, agreement, agreements like this um, um, schools commit to and sign off on uh, for the length of the term. So what length of term there would be if we proceeded with something like this and how it would work with the members is something that's still being discussed. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of James Kerpea of the Oregonian. Your line is open. Okay, can you guys hear me now? We're good now. I hope. Okay, there we go. Uh, I had a question, Larry, for uh, on the elimination of the uh, loss of season penalty on the intra-conference transfer. Just wanted clarification because I think there's two different penalties associated with this. Does this eliminate the year in residency requirement or the loss of season penalty, which was separate? It just eliminates the latter. Um, okay. Uh, as is commonplace, still still to sit out for a year, but you don't you lose a year of eligibility. Correct. Okay, so the year in residency still applies. Okay. Correct. Uh, Correct. Secondly, was uh, just a follow up on uh, the timetable for the Simpson Consulting uh, official review uh, and the bowl partnership announcements. You had indicated at spring meetings that those would be in time for uh, Pac-12 Media Day. Is that still the timetable, or is there an update to move that up? Uh, no, no update on the proposed times. I, I think we're still working toward that. I don't know for sure whether Simpson's work will be done by then because they, uh, they're going to kind of go where the information takes them. Uh, but that would be a great opportunity, obviously, for us to share at least a substantive update. Likewise, with bowl partnerships, there might be some news sooner on some bowls, but we're aiming to kind of pull it all together by our football media day. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Chantal Jennings of The Athletic. Your line is open. Hey, Larry. I was curious, with the increased money for the Student Athlete Health and Wellbeing Initiative, um, are you guys stipulating how that money should be used exactly, or does each institution get to decide how to dispense that money or how they're going to use it on campus? Well, each, each institution will make that decision. This is Phil DiStefano uh, about how to use those funds. So I think the most uh, important things about this is it's really to direct, uh, directly support our student athletes in need um, as far as their health and wellness issues. So I would leave it up to the individual campuses about how to spend 
the dollars, but certainly they need to be directed towards supporting student athletes in need. Okay, thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Ralph Russo of Associated Press. Your line is open. Hi, thanks, gentlemen. Um, my question was actually asked and answered, so I will let somebody else uh, go, go take my place. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Bruce Pasco of Arizona Daily Star. Your line is open. Hi, I just wanted to, I, I, as I understand it, on the basketball, I have a question about the basketball scheduling, and I just wanted to clarify, as I understand it, it's, it's a collective average of 175. In other words, your 13 games are 175. You can have 300 as long as you balance it out. And how do you guys, if that's so, how do you guys go about doing that if, um, as far as what, you know, because I know sometimes there's a lag time and, uh, you know, when you schedule these years in advance, like when would, for 2021, for example, what five years would you be looking back on to determine that? So, Bruce, um, it is collective, and it's trailing over five years to accommodate for some of those ebbs and flows that you uh, talked about and the fact that some of this is done in advance. Okay. And um, so the, I assume you'd be using RPI for the years prior to last season for the calculation purposes since there was only the net started this year, right? No. No, we're planning on using the net. Or and, – and, well, if you're, but if you're saying trailing, like in other words, for for 2021, you'd be going back to what, 16, 17, or something with an, uh, an opponent to, yeah. to get I, their five year. I believe we're using Ken Palm for the prior years, but I'll, I'll confirm that for you offline. Okay, I know it's kind of a weedy question there. Do you, do you know? Just curious, when you all talked about this, I mean, are are there a lot of teams that have been? I don't know if you did analysis of has anyone actually been over that 175 on average in recent years, and and how often has that happened? On occasion, uh, but not a regular occurrence. Um, but this was something our schools uh, felt strongly about. We should establish as a, as a standard. Okay. And one final thing, I had a question for you, Larry. You were talking uh, earlier this month in Scottsdale about the, the 20 game, and I was just curious if you had any more discussions about how those two extra games might be might be implemented, whether, you know, has there been anything more along that line as far as whether those would be two games pulled out of the current four misses or, or some other formula? We haven't finalized that yet. That's still a work in progress. Okay. 